podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello, welcome to the five-year plan podcast. Hey, hey. bank holiday Monday. Oh, hey, it's a bank holiday. Pod. Are we committed? We are very <laughs> much. Uh, it's Pod Two Ninety. Wow, oh. um, Sponsored by Vet Printing for your print embroidery needs. Go to vet.co.uk. It's vet weather. Okay. And JC and Associates. Visit jcassociateslondon.com. I will. And lads, would you put your mortgage? <laughs> on Palace finishing above Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It always yeah, happens. Would, yeah, 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 you would. Yeah. Um, you can get everything you need, of course, uh, for every aspect of mortgage advice from our new sponsors, Eternity Home Finance, Croydon-based family-run company providing a free consultation on anything such as first-time buyers, buying a new home, debt consolidation, building a buy-to-let portfolio and retirement mortgages. Visit eternityhomefinance.com. Or ring zero three three zero one three three zero seven zero nine. Home finance, I'm in. <laughs> I just wonder. Is that the new? Is that the new tagline? I'm in. <laughs> home, finance, home finance, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm just wondering how many of our listeners are interested in the buy to let portfolio. Uh, I'm not even sure I know what one of those debt consolidation. Well, we can't. We can't <laughs> go at the pace. No, okay. We're not going at the pace of the slowest JD. Can we? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to Google it. Come on. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin, they sit. Hello there. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yes. Good. Adam Sales. Hi. How are you? On top of the world. Hey, nice. Ding, ding, ding. And uh, James Endicott. Hello. How are you? Very good, I think. I've, I've just been talking to a gentleman <laughs> for two hours about parakeets. Wonderful. In London. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. There's about forty thousand of them. Wow. And they're a, they're a flash of colour in our lives. Yeah. Wonderful things. Norbury Station, big colony of them. Yeah, there's colonies everywhere. What was his view on the on the urban myth? That well, the is... urban myth. There's several urban myths. The most popular one is that Jimi Hendrix let too loose on Carnaby Street in 1969. <laughs> uh, there's also an urban myth that they... that's, that's, a, that's believable. It's not really. Let them loose from where? His pocket or? <laughs> well, no, from, from uh, a cage. Oh, okay. Oh, oh right. from so, a cage. Yeah, yeah. He, he had them and released was a cage because he wanted peace and love and. And uh, world harmony. Uh, there's also uh, there also apparently is a rumor that they escaped from the set of the African Queen, a movie that was filmed in West London, starring Humphrey Bogart in the early fifties. Catherine Hepburn, yeah, yeah, Catherine Hepburn. And there's also another myth as well, which uh, apparently George Michael had an, an indoor aviary in his house <laughs> in Hampstead. Yeah. Wow! And him and boy George uh, had a, a particularly crazy night in the early eighties, when they were at the height of their 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 respective fame and had a little bit of an argument and a tiff and maybe a lover's tiff who knows and uh, let out parakeets wow but the the truth is that they were first spotted in London in about 1890 wow, good. but anyway you should just listen you, to the you show. can tell we're safe from relegation can't <laughs> exactly <you? laughs> I actually wouldn't mind talking about that for the next <laughs> hour or so well look moving on to another urban myth which is that Palace are better at away than they are at home <laughs> it's not an urban myth <laughs> it's not really a myth is it it's a genuine <laughs> fact I was just trying to think of a link um, we won at Cardiff on Saturday 3-2 it relegates Cardiff, and it's another away win for us. The fourth team we've relegated in, in the penultimate two seasons. game. Yeah, in two seasons. It's the third yeah. penultimate yeah. game of the season. We've sent someone down. Check the, check the fixture list next season, <laughs> whoever's playing our second to last of the season. Lump your money on them. Um, but Kevin, it was it was actually a quite attacking approach from Roy. He started Jordan Ayew, Batshuayi, Wolf and Townsend. Finally, an attacking approach from him, and it paid off, albeit against a very poor team. I thought... Um, Actually, I thought Ayu was tremendous in the first half. Well, it, I mean, it was essentially it was a four-two-four, pretty much. And 
I've, I thought it was really interesting. It's one of those games where you watch it, and after 15 minutes, you think, "Yeah, we actually there's a massive goal. We're we're a Premier League team yeah. here, aren't we? There's, there's a division between us." And it's kind of like, despite they were surprisingly flat at the start of Cardiff, I thought they'd come at us more than we would hit them on the break. But we just kind of let the front four get on with it. Just basically trusted that the midfield two was strong enough to deal with anything mm. they hit, hit us with. And I thought we would, the, the attacking attempt was was great. And it, it's one of those where you think. Maybe that's the answer to some of the home games. Then we're playing weaker teams at home. Where right from the start we were, and we were in the front foot. And he just kind of went off. You go, get on with it. And I thought that some of the link-up play was was great. And I, I yeah. having watched the whole game, it's slightly frustrating then to see that BBC's highlight. And obviously the focus was on Cardiff. I understand that, yeah. but the, none of the highlights package is fully reflected the fact that we could have scored five or six. In the first half, I actually, and you, you know, I hate watching away games. I'll tell you, and, and I was nervous at one point, but I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I was there's nothing you can't really add anything to that. It was a great performance. Do you think, and does it might be an indication that Roy actually would be prepared to try more attacking, more un Roy performances and approaches in future games, or is it because it you know we're safe end I, of the season, nothing riding on? I it? I tend to think the latter. To be to be fair, uh, Roy's you know Roy's got his certain ways of doing things. You you can't knock Roy what he's done this season. You know. Potentially the highest points total we're ever going to have, if it, if yeah. uh, if we beat Bournemouth at the weekend. But no, I mean I think you know I think the uh, shackles were off. Uh, we were we were playing a team that we thought were going to come out at us mm. and try and win the game. Uh, they didn't, but you know we thought they would. So just you know, and we, we've always said Palace are always great when they just start off just like going hell for leather and going for it. And that attacking formation was a bit of a shock to everybody, but as Kev pointed out, it worked. You know, And we could have had five or six. Yeah. I, also, I also think Roy wanted to knock on the head any conspiracy theories that we were you know, relaxed on the beach, no. that we wanted Brighton to go down. I think he wanted the world to see that we meant business right from the start, yeah. that we wanted to win that game. And it's interesting the way the players spoke afterwards, that they clearly spoke about playing a different type of football. Whether they would have played that the same way if Benteke was fit, I don't know, but I just think IU links up play really well when there's three or four people to link play up with rather than one or two. Yeah, and it was a very nice little one-two with Batshuayi yeah. for the goal as well. Really yeah. lovely. I have to admit, I was convinced we were going to win. I, I, I thought there'd be no chance of us not taking it seriously. Mm. And just because Cardiff has something to play for and we're so good on the break, I was absolutely convinced that we were going to do them, to be fair. I thought it might be a clean sheet. I was surprised they got two goals. I think, it, I think they were probably surprised by the way we set up as well, to be perfectly honest. I think they probably assumed that we would do what Selzy always describes as stay in the game for 20-25 minutes but in, instead it was the opposite and I think they were a bit gobsmacked by that I think and I, I think we sort of took the wind out of their sails after five minutes when I think Warnock said that afterwards and they suddenly realised oh hang on now this, this is a really good side we can't get the ball off them Yeah, and it's not often you say that about about us Yeah well Selzy we spoke on the post-match <laughs> pod didn't we about mm-hmm. this and, and about the fact that really on another day it could have been 5-6-1 Palace um, and in fact one of the reasons, obviously, they were back in the game was that first goal. Well, we've got a question from a listener that's for you okay. from Steve Burr. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. He says, Hi, if Selzy's if on the pod, what are his thoughts on Guaita for the first goal? As a centre-half, <laughs> I wouldn't want him to come out that far for a ball like that. No, I think he's right. I think he should have stayed at home. Unless he's 100% going to claim the ball... And I wasn't sure he was. I mean, it was a horrible ball to deal with. Mm. The, the the famous corridor of uncertainty yeah. that we talked about before. And it's not an easy one to defend. But if he stays at home, even uh, with Martin Kelly's uh, intervention, we probably still would have been able to avert going, uh, going level or them going level with us. But I must admit, I, it was disappointing because we were so dominant in the first half you know, two one at half time was not a really a very fair reflection of the of the outcome and nor uh, sorry of the game rather and the outcome at the end three two I didn't think mm. was a particularly fair reflection. But just going back a pace where you're talking about our shape and playing with two orthodox wide players and two orthodox strikers, you know, we were very very dominant and at times it looked too <coughs> too comfortable almost that that uh, and I thought we were. I said to you on Saturday night, you know, four, five, six, one. I could see it being a record away win in the in the Premier League. But actually, at the end of the game, they had more shots on target than we had. Mm. And you know, therein perhaps lies the the issue. You know, Roy clearly thought we've got better players than Cardiff, and if we go and attack them, we'll win the game. And I'm glad he did. 
but it also showed that we gave up far too many opportunities against a team that wasn't particularly good. Was a championship team really, and that's where they're going to be next season. For sadly for them, um, so I think there's a, a balance to be struck, of course, in all this because you know in those type games, I think we'll outscore the opposition. So I don't think that's such a problem. But I think had we been as brave as that in other recent fixtures, I don't think the outcomes may have been as as good as they had really. Yeah, because obviously against better teams, giving up space like that or going with extra players forward and then maybe missing out a midfielder here or there, you'll get punished more than you would do against a team like Cardiff. Well, he wouldn't. you simply wouldn't see Roy lining up like that <coughs> against better teams, would you? I mean, that's the, but the, the frustrating thing is this season, you've not seen him line up like that against other teams that aren't as, you know, as roughly as good as Cardiff. Yeah, at home. Basically, at, at home. Um, and I don't think for a minute that <coughs> we will start like that even against... Bournemouth, to be perfectly honest, but it, it did make a refreshing change. And it, uh, you, you do wonder whether it might give Hodgson uh, food for thought. That you know, but at least it shows there's another string to our bow. Mm. I mean, it's one of those where you just go, well, just enjoy what happened, and you know, take no pleasure in relegating in Cardiff. But it was a well, a great some people fun. might take pleasure in relegating well, it, Warnock. Yeah, but it was, <laughs> I, I was one of those. We've talked about this in the last couple of weeks. I'm one of those people. All I care about is Palace first, second, and third, and us getting three points, and then yeah. whatever the, the result of that is, I'll worry or exult afterwards. But well, actually, we have had a question about that. Which I'm going to, I wasn't going to chuck in till later, but I'm going to do it now. From Chris Battle Ready AM. Oh, Hi, Chris. Nice one, Chris. He says it's a question for everyone but Adam, <laughs> as we all know his views on objectivity in football. Uh, did the satisfaction of relegating Warnock balance out the disappointment of keeping Brighton up? Oh, Chris. No, I know why I want oh, I, I I'd quite like the chance to beat Brighton twice next season. Next season. Uh, yeah. Same here. You know, I, I kind of... Uh, I'm, I, I sort of flip-flop on this because sometimes I think I'd rather have Brighton in the Vanarama National League. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I feel. But yeah. sometimes I think, no, I'd, you'd, you'd miss not playing them twice and getting a chance to... I, I, I think Brighton's really interesting. I think Celtic's probably got more insight than this. I don't think Hewitt will be their manager start of next season. Uh, I think... It's going to be a very interesting summer, manager-wise, manager mm. both in Manchester and yeah. on the South Coast. Uh, <laughs> but, but not I'm, in South London, probably. N- no, well, I no. don't think so. I'm, but, I'm uh, sure it'll please you, Kev, to know that I got a message on Sunday from uh, one of Chris Hewton's staff members thanking us for keeping <laughs> him in the league. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, that's the well, I think we all we, think we, we, did, we, uh, we If we hadn't conceded six points to them, then... Yeah. Well, should we take this opportunity? I don't think that's what you mean. I think no, you meant as yeah. Should we take this opportunity then to say to anyone who from Brighton is listening, you're welcome. Yeah, 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 still, yeah, still, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. You know, don't, don't mention it. Yeah, yeah. How, you're many, welcome. how many points above you are we finishing? Ten points at the moment. Despite all those tweets and messages we got yeah. when, uh, well, when we you lost to Brighton and, and uh, you part. know they're consolidating much better than yeah. we are, and we're a shambles yeah. and well, all that. Sort you're of welcome, stuff. guys. We you're were welcome. That, we were that day, Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, we, we Come on, <laughs> stop it, would you? I've told you before. The game was awful. Thank God it's a long time ago. Just enders on this sort of end of season form. It's like the third or fourth season in a row where we've since January, really kicked on and done really well. And in yeah. fact, this season, since the end of January, we haven't gone more than one league game without winning. So we've basically gone one loss, yeah, one yeah, loss, yeah. one draw, one loss, one mm. loss. Um, so it's effectively sort of a, a one-in-two uh, win win ratio. Why do we think this is? We, we seem to keep doing it. And I know, and it, it, it almost feels to me like when we have this bad start to the season, I'm always thinking, well, yeah, this is bad, but we'll probably be all right second half of the season. And yet again, it, 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 history has repeated itself. I don't know. It's just, it's, you know, dare I say it's typical power. I don't really know why it is, to be fair. You know, I really don't know. But we've we've been, we, we don't want to say we've been incredible. We've been a very, a very good Premier League team for the last sort of two or three months. I think there's some weird stat over the last sort of seven or eight games where like, the fourth best team or something like that. I don't know, fifth best team, but I don't you know what is, is there, if 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 I knew the answer I wouldn't be sat here in this dungeon in Soho. Well sometimes I'd actually be on the on the uh, on the bench sidelines yeah, giving a few instructions, but I'm not unfortunately. <laughs> Could uh, I just point well, out at this stage we're not wearing rubber masks for anyone <laughs> <laughs> anyone who's listening. Well uh, well, I, I don't know to clarifying that I'm not sure we need to see that in Soho probably might have them asking a few Selzy, questions. We nobody knows what you're talking about apart from yourself. No, of course. Unbelievable. <laughs> You'd still hear your voice, Elsie, if you were muffled. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think so. I think I think sometimes the answer to the question is obvious. Like in the second part of sixteen seventeen season, we bought Milivojevic and Sako and yes. Van Arnholt and and Schlupp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a fairly obvious reason why we were better. You know, so Bash- and is this season the fact that we bought Batshuayi? I think it freshened things up. I think he clearly had an impact on the training pitch. You could yeah. see the up, the players up front like working with him. Mm. I think the other interesting thing is that. For for years going back, Palace fans have always had this thing that we're not we're not particularly fit. You know, we certainly under Pardew we used to concede a lot of late goals, mm. and now we're the fourth best in the Premier League for scoring in the last mm. fifteen minutes. So clearly, mm. the fitness issue has has disappeared. But I, I, I'm like Enders. There is no apart from buying new players in January. There's no obvious. And I, I don't think anybody at Palace from Steve Parish down. Would be sharing your optimism in October and going, don't worry. As soon as January comes in, as soon as the nights get a bit longer, we'll, we'll be fine. Obviously, so it's, it is a difficult one to. So, I mean, Burnley, Burnley did the same thing, but they probably had the excuse of the Europa League. Yeah, I think sometimes it, it's persuading players that they are good enough to still be in the Premier League as well. There's, there's, a, there's a myriad of reasons. Just I think it's it. also that thing. That, you know, you look at the look at the table at the end of the season. And I think you know the last three or four seasons we've looked at the table and thought, well, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about right where we are. Do we feel like that this season? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, th- I think maybe you know, I th- if if we win on Saturday or s- Sunday, whatever it is, Sunday, yeah. uh, if we win there, we're on forty nine points. That was our best league total. Mm. Premier League, yeah. Premier League yeah. total because obviously football only started in nineteen ninety two. But yeah, you know, so I, I think you know it's it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think you look at the table and. However, it works out with there's, there's ups and downs even within the the bits that are good, you know. And I think we're ending up sort of this mid table, top half of mid table. I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, but I mean, Chelsea obviously, you know, the club would like to be more consistent throughout the season. Yeah, we found a little bit of consistency the last third of the season, though. I think I, I think I saw on social media this morning somebody posted the form for the last thirteen matches. We were the fourth best team in the Premier League. So I think it was uh, Liverpool, Manchester City and... Burnley are up in the no, top six. I can't remember who the other one was. There was one more. Chelsea. Might have been Chelsea, actually, yeah. So I think, I mean, you know, for a season that's <coughs> been a big disappointment for many, not for me, as as you know, and I'm criticised quite heavily for saying that at times, but I'd say to you that, you know, we're going to have our... Potentially, we could have our best points total on Sunday. I mean, if West Ham are beaten by Watford, we could even jump up another place if we win. Um, our best goal difference, I think the most clean sheets probably we've had in a season. I think we're there or thereabouts now, aren't we? Um, you know, there, there are, I think it's, you know, it could be, hopefully, statistically, also our, our best season. And interestingly, you know, we talk about improvement and what we can do and stuff. I think part of the difficulty is, and what what all of us must consider is that, you know, the squad is very strong now, and it actually probably takes quite a lot of money each time to find somebody better than somebody we've already got. Mm. And it's not money's not the be all and end all because there are players out there, of course, that are are around. Do you have to take a punt on and see if they're going to end up? cracking it but you know it's very difficult all the time to to you know I think we're from where we are now without having an absolute war chest to go and spend on on players and bear in mind the wage bill wouldn't allow us to probably significantly increase uh, that situation too much um I think it'd be fair to say we're only really likely to sort of inch along from where we are a little bit bit by bit and you know if a few players go out and a few players come in I think that's sort of what will happen there'll probably maybe one or two cash purchases a a free agent and maybe a couple of loans or something like that is probably what we can expect if we're going to have 30 if we've got if we can bring in players of the quality of Mamadou Sacco for 30 million pounds a time and we could sign another eight of those then yeah maybe we push on but you know my views. Our big issue has always been at the top end of the pitch because our strikers haven't scored enough goals. And I don't know if you saw match of the day last night, any of you, but that was really mm. interesting. The Arsenal stat that they were fifteenth for the most attempts at the goal yeah. in the Premier League and first for the conversion, conversion rate. Yeah. Really? So 
Aubameyang and uh, the other fella Lacazette, Lacazette. You know, whereas we're probably I think if we had those two, that, I think if they, we had those two playing for us, perhaps we might be the top money, six, <clears throat> top four. You know, the money thing's very interesting because Roy's. I think just about every interview Roy Hodgson's done this week, he's mentioned uh, West Ham <clears throat> and the fact that West Ham has spent 105 million pound more than we did in the summer and will virtually finish in the same position, like one place below us or above us, which is an indication of where our finances are. But it's also Roy's quite clever way of pointing out that he's a very good manager. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look what I've done with the resources yeah, I've got. I think right, the, the important stat that you mentioned there was the one, and I think that's genuinely impressive, that we since January we haven't lo- we don't lose two games in a row. We, we lose, and even against City where we lose significantly and you think they might be damaged confidence-wise, we come back and we win next time. And I think that's a sign of a team that are happy... With their manager, they're happy psychologically. I think that's that's something that we probably haven't done in in the past. Had that resilience in a yeah. way to to lose at home and then still go away the next time, and it's nearly always away from home and play as well as we can do. And I think that says a lot for the because we're players, so well organised. Well, yeah, it does. That's, that's what, what I said. I you think know, it, I, you're that well organised. Yeah, you know, you're going to have a level yeah. of consistency. You know, well, look, taking into account everything you said earlier, we've had a question from Nobby Clark. I know. Who basically Nobby. said the same thing. You know, as it stands, with 15 points above the drop, four. Four off top ten. We could go above West Ham depending <coughs> on results. He says, accepting that home form hasn't been great, why, for so many people then, Enders, has this season been such a disappointment? When really, if you look at the stats, I think it actually looks all right. I think it's down down to the home form. You know, I mean, most people only go to home games. You know, mm. We've got a lot of season ticket holders and yep. they're, they're very disappointed by it. But has and it ever you, been any good in any of the seasons or home form particularly? I don't know. I it has been more exciting at home though. I yeah. mean, the, the atmosphere has been lacking a little bit. And yeah. that, again, we, had, that, we had all that problem at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you it's not been as much fun going to sell as part of this season. No, and it hasn't. Honest, and also, I think we've had some amazing results. You know, we, as I said on the last pod, you know, we scored three goals at the Etihad, three at the Emirates, and three at Anfield. You know, we've been, and we also scored three on the. Saturday as well, but you know we, we've been an, an exciting team away from home. We're one of the best, like the fourth best team away from home all season, and I think the disgruntlement, the the dissatisfaction comes from the home support, who just don't, which is understandable. Which well, is, I also, also, I is understandable. Also, without picking at old wounds, a lot of the frustration comes from the fact that our two poorest performances of the season were against Brighton. Yes, I think that's the Brighton Watford games yeah, are the yeah. reason that. People yeah. are more disgruntled than they should be. Yeah, and it's it's sometimes it's like you're just saying, I'm um, you know, and just you you work on a freelance project for a, a couple of months, and you think, oh man, alive, that was a terrible day. But then but at the end of it, you go, actually, we made a, something really good happen. Yeah. But and then yeah. you forget. Yeah, it's only when you're in the middle of it, on the day of those terrible things that are happening. Or, yeah. and the same in the yeah. bright thing. They were, and was, and the fact is as well, there is this frustration that, and. I, Roy can't explain, but most football fans can't explain the difference between the home and away thing. So that's where the frustration lies. If it, mm. if there was an obvious reason yeah. in terms of tactics or team selection, you'd understand it. But there, but there isn't. So and because we can't articulate, mm. because we're not, you know, we're only fully qualified pub coaches. We don't know. We can't articulate. Well, I'm sure, and management can't clearly because they'd rectify it. So there is that frustration as well, and also the, the fact that season tickets and tickets for the games cost. Yeah. A, a lot of money there's another, there are other issues so right but all in all you can't argue and even though I was, I was one of the people round about autumn who was very vociferously anti-Roy you can't argue at the end of it that it has been a good season but and but and I don't think we will ever set our sights suddenly to go right Champions League next. It will be more baby steps. As yeah, but baby steps so works for a club like yeah, us. Well, you have to. It's really interesting. We'll talk about this a bit in a minute. Let's, uh, uh, Ray Lewington was with Roy Hodgson the other night and I stepped in to do the Vice President's Q&A with them at quite short notice. They're very adamant I didn't do anything other than the Q&A. No jokes. If you, but, <laughs> but it's really oh. interesting. But Ray Lewington, and it's very interesting, we'll talk more about what Roy said about certain players in, in, in part two, I think, but Ray Lewington said, what we have to, he said, it's the first time in his career ever when we played Man City, he said, it's the first time he's ever looked at the opposing team and thought none of my players will get in that team. Mm, so wow. I've, I've never felt that way and he said that's how football is at the yeah, moment yeah. that's what he said we all have to accept yeah. he said even Arsenal and Chelsea 18 teams now have to accept that they're not as good as the, the top two yeah. and we can never compete financially so you have to find other ways to compete so I think that's where I think Palace fans are beginning to realise that that is the case now which makes our 
win at the Etihad this season. Yeah, all, all, all the more so because he said so that, he said that doesn't mean we can't we can't compete in in a ninety minutes game. It doesn't mean we can't beat any of them. What it means is over a thirty eight game season. He said a, a Leicester will never happen again. Yeah, because well, the, the money has changed even even since in the three years yeah. since then. Well, be, because of it, almost. yeah, yeah. Leicester changed the picture a bit, didn't yeah, they? You know, in the one season where everyone hadn't got their stuff together and they did very, very well. And, you know, it's what I said to you about Everton last week. You know, they spent... Um, and, and a couple of people said to me, well, it's not only money and all that. And it isn't only money, but the reality is that the top six, seven, eight teams in the Premier League at the moment are the richest six, seven, eight teams mm. in the Premier League. That's a fact, you know. And that makes it very, very difficult. And we are in... A league above, I think, Cardiff, for instance, in terms of where we are. Yeah. But we're probably a league below uh, Liverpool and Manchester City oh, yeah. and the Champions League clubs. And so we, you know, we're competing and achieving results against them on the strength of quality and organisation that we have and, and the structured manner that we go about it. But I don't think, you know, we... we I... I I asked last week, you know, where you thought we should finish and so on. And I'm probably like most fans originally thought, you know, if we finish eight, nine, ten where our wage bill is, then I'd be satisfied. Mm. But we, you know, Roy has done all this. And if you exclude Sirlot, which is, you know, the only player that he's been bought for him that he's been able to use has been Kuyate. Mm. All the others have been free agents and loans and stuff like that. And when you consider he's probably spent the least amount of money and had the most successful or could be the most successful season, mm. you know, that's testament to him. And also, I mean, Cardi, I mean, have you ever thought we'd go down at any point? Did you ever really worry that we'd be relegated <coughs> with a group of players we've got on the manager? Yeah, to be perfectly honest, around the time we were losing to Brighton away and West Ham away, I thought that the football we were playing, I thought we'd hit a real rut and I thought, it was coming to a situation where if we carried on like that, we might need a change to stay up. I, 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 I never like ever thought it. I mean, if well, we, used to be fair, you, but you see, I only see the home games. I've, yeah. I've only went to five away games this if, season. You see every away game, and it, you, you don't get a full view of, of TV. But I thought I didn't agree with people who said, "Yeah, we we made a fist of it away at Everton." I thought we were poor away at Everton. I thought we were poor away at Chelsea. In that that period of games when we weren't picking up points, we didn't look like a team that were likely to do so. And, and I don't think I ever really thought we were going down, but I was generally worried at one stage, and I could see a scenario whereby we would Parish would have to make a decision about changing things. But then, as as has happened before, around December, January, everything changed for the better, and, you, and then you wonder why you were worried so much. But oh, yeah, I was worried at the time, and I think the the podcast and the the tweets and questions we were getting at the time reflected that as well. It was quite, it was that, a very edgy time so for, around for that West Ham game. I time. did yeah. around that West Ham game was the first time I thought, oh. Because it was it was very poor, but you know Roy turned it around, and as a as we got history of doing so, and we did again towards the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, you know, I, I think Roy Hodgson is the man for the job, and I hope he stays. But I wasn't sure I was thinking that, and there's a lot of Palace fans who weren't thinking that around that time. He didn't look like he had answers to the questions well, at the time. But to be per- perfectly fair. But then we should be thankful that we haven't got a, a, a trigger happy chairman yeah, like a I, lot of clubs I, I, in this of division. Course I quite agree. If we yeah. if we win on Sunday, if we're lucky enough to beat Bournemouth, and Cardiff don't win it or they get beat mm. at Man United, if we win and they lose, we'll have been eighteen points clear of relegation. Yeah. Eighteen points. It's yeah. massive, you know. And and I, I've never felt. I mean, even the West Ham game. Again, I look beneath the surface. We lost the West Ham game because our goalkeeper was particularly poor on the mm. day and made some errors. And it doesn't matter who the manager is, when those kind of things happen, you're going to lose football matches. Also, you shouldn't be saying if we're lucky enough to beat Bournemouth. We should be beating Bournemouth. No, well, they're, no, they're, no, they're, Spurs. they're, they're <laughs> not about So they're right in the mix with us, Kev. I actually know. think the they're Bournemouth game will be, is a perfect end-of-season game, actually, because they, they'll probably go for it and then hopefully it'll be an end We fought that against Everton. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> eight clean sheets in ten games, Everton. You said they were moderate. Yeah. That's they are moderate, even, so they're a good so They've beaten Arsenal to nil, Chelsea so to nil, yeah, we beat, Man United to nil. Yeah, we beat Man City, we beat, Man City, we beat Arsenal. They're, they're, my argument, there, are no, there are no exceptional teams outside the top two. They're a good side and yeah, they're right. a very expensively assembled side which not means... necessarily the same thing but you know well <laughs> anyway <laughs> seeing as this is the postcard if not the post well, Everton they're, they're in the top <laughs> eight, let's put it that way. Uh, let's move on to part two where we've got lots of lovely questions from our listeners so join us in a bit 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Welcome to ninety sponsored by Vector Printing for all your printing embroidery needs. Need to screw that up. Uh, visit vector.co.uk. That's Vector with Okay. And JC and Associates. Visit jcassociateslondon.com. I will. And Eternity Home Finance for all your mortgage needs. Visit eternityhomefinance.com or ring zero three three zero one three three zero seven zero nine. Mortgage uh, advice. I'm in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, good. It's hot good. in these rubber masks, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we've had a lot of questions about transfers, uh, as you'd imagine, seeing as the summer is around the corner. Um, but before we read them out, you alluded, alluded earlier that you were in the, the company of Roy. Yes. And he may have suggested or hinted about what his summer plans might be transfer-wise. He didn't. Uh, I, I was... Under no illusions, there was no point in me asking him direct questions about transfers, about targets. He he did hint that one or two players that had been brought in weren't fit for purpose, and I think we know who he was talking about. He <clears throat> the way the way he was talking, and it's interesting because he was very much talking as though him and Ray Lewington were definitely going to be in charge next season, as they they almost certainly will be. But he was talking about there's no, we know the financial situation, we know the new stand situation, but. There was no indication, I thought, that there were any marquee signings that he thought were necessary. He talked about how good the squad was. And I'll talk about three players in particular. He talked about how good the squad was. He talked about areas where it needed freshening up. He said, if anything, he said every squad needs a few changes every every two years. But he did say it'd be very difficult. There were no players in the squad that he thought would be easy for him to to offload. Because he All said right. everybody in the squad's done a decent job. He, he he hinted, obviously we need goals, and he talked about a midfield player. But he said otherwise he was happy with with the defence. The, the three players he was most getting to talk about, Wilf, was really interesting because he he said that Wilf's probably the most exciting natural player he's ever played with, but still needs to learn a bit about defence. But also says he's underrated because what Wilf's stats don't show, you don't get assists for being fouled for penalties. Oh really? Oh, really? No, no. You should, you, which you should really, do. You I should think do, the logic yeah. being that you, you might not score the, you might not score the penalty, but he. D- but so his figures would be even better if he took those into account. He was really keen to talk about Martin Kelly because I mentioned how it's an indication of how good the squad was that we had Kelly and Dan to come in, and he he was full of praise for the Palace fans' reaction to mm. Kelly, and talked about Kelly being uh, a, a top quality Premier League defender. He also said that had Tompkins stayed fit, he would have voted for him. As player of the year, head of Aaron. Oh wow! And he said he can't understand why Tompkins is not in the England squad. He said it's oh, a, wow. a mystery to him. Wow! Uh, and he said him and Lewington looked at Tompkins when he was England manager, but thought oh, wow. he wasn't quite ready. Uh, but the player that was most interesting, <coughs> we talked about. He obviously said Kelly's too nice. That's the other thing. Was he said I've he, heard he should, be, really he nice should guy, be banging. Yeah. He said he should be banging on my door when I drop him. But he's he's such a good player and such a good trainer. But we talked about um, Max Mayer. Right, because obviously, because I, I said in all the controversy about where he should play, and that we talked about him on the pod all the time, I said, "Where does Max Mayer want to play?" And he said, "Well, funny enough, we have had this conversation with him. We did remember to ask Max Mayer where, he, where his <laughs> favourite position is, and he said it's it's on the left of a narrow midfield three. Oh, really? So I coughed politely and said, "Right, I think you may have misheard him. <laughs> <laughs> you mean he wants to play in front of the midfield yeah. too, doesn't he? Or he wants to play a number ten? He said, no, he's adamant that where he wants to play is wow. is wide in midfield three. And he said we'll see more of, of him next season. He'd be a better player. And he said he's tried to protect him, as we suspected on. He's tried to protect him from the physical strictures of the Premier League. He said he was totally taken aback. Yeah. He said at the end of the Burnley game, which he started, he said he was physically. Exhausted, but he just he said on the way home he sat me down and said I've never played a team like that. Wow! Any stage of my development, have I played a team who only want to get the ball forward as quickly as possible? He said, I literally didn't know what to do. Yeah. But he, <coughs> I, the thing that was most encouraged was that he was he was adamant that Mayer would be with us. Okay. Next season, yeah. and, and we might see more of him, and that he would be very much part of his plans, and that he might be that 
the answer. But he said he's, he really wants, that's where he wants to play and he wants to link that's up interesting. with Wilf. With he wants to get forward from that left-hand position. He, and he said, we saw it occasionally as well with, with PVA and with Wilf. Wow. But so, who, so just for, for the pod perspective, then who do we think would be the other two that would play alongside him if if he did go with that? Well, he talked about it. He, he, he was full of praise for Kiati as well, considering he talked about him being the bargain of the close season. Really, yeah, which uh, I agree uh, with. Again, in the context of West Ham spending so much money, you you get the feeling, or I came away with the feeling that is, if he was to start with three midfield, it would be Mayer, Kiati, and, and Luca, but not with Mayer in front of those two, which is. Which is interesting. He also, and I think he had to talk this way. He was also fairly convinced that uh, Wilf and Wambisaka would be with us at the start well, of that season. That's big because that that would for me, even if we signed no one, but we yeah, kept I'd, Wilf yeah. and Aaron. That's almost a successful transfer. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he, I, I think it's highly unlikely that he was likely to turn around to the vice president and say, uh, <laughs> "They're now, off." Now's the time to tell you yeah. this is they're both they're both going. But he he explained the reasons why, and he said. We're we're in the luckiest. We financially we don't have to sell them. That's the yeah. That's the the good thing. And he said they're impossible to replace if we do. So they would be yeah. doing everything in his power. But I I got a feeling that he was sort of he, he did mention the money again. But he said we have got we have got targets and they do need to be better players. And we we know he was talking about Sherlock essentially. But you know, <laughs> right, basically. But um, well, look, that's fascinating. Thank you for reporting that back because that's mm-hmm. been especially the my thing. That's really interesting. And we've had lots. Well, of I questions. also did make a mistake when. So I jokingly said at the start, I said you probably fed up talking about football now. Should we talk about Russian literature? <laughs> I should have gone for Dickens or Shakespeare. I'm on solid ground. Within two minutes, he was throwing these names at me. I thought, I can't agree. <laughs> Casey really? goes, there's no such person. <laughs> have you read any, any Chop to Bolokov? No. No, I haven't. I haven't. No, is that, is that any good? <laughs> no, I've heard it's great. No, it's great. Short stories, yeah. Really good, yeah, yeah. But no, it's fascinating. He was really interested. It's interesting as well, and I'm sure Selzy knows this better than... Because he wanted Ray Lewington to be to be with him and it's very interesting that Roy's very much it seems to be the the well it's like me and Selzy Lewington's the emotional one and Roy's the intellectual one he's the sort of ice cool you know, <laughs> which one am I then you're the, you're the ice cool intellectual one <laughs> okay but yeah Ray, sure Ray Lewington's the one who gets gets you know excited about various games and various mm. players also the other thing as well they're honest enough to admit he said all this talk about Wan-Bissaka being a winger he said he said me and Ray didn't know that all this talk about yeah, we spotted a, a right. We we were no, told that was Richard Shaw, wasn't yeah, it? Basically, Kevin yeah, Keane, I think. Oh, Kevin Keane. So we were, I think Kevin we were, King put him to right back well, in a training session. That, and but we would, went from there. We were told come and have a look at the under twenty threes, and we picked him out straight away. He said I had no idea he was a converted forward. He said I've just, and he said all I see is somebody who is the best one to one defender I've worked with in football for years, and I think that showed again on um, Saturday. There was a couple of times when Glenn... I don't know what game Glenn Hoddle was watching. You won't have seen it. Glenn Hoddle was determined that Cardiff were going to qualify for the Champions League out of this game somehow. <laughs> and there was a couple of times, but even there was a couple of times when wan quite clearly was going, well, he was lucky to get away with that. And the commentator's going, that's one of the best tackles I've seen. Yeah. It's perfect. He stood him up, took the ball yeah. off him. So, I mean, wan And he's, was, only been, he's only been dribbled past eight times this season. Well, I think that's also... The other it's thing, insane. Selge's point was right. We did concede quite a few chances in the second half but it's still three of that back four wouldn't be our first choice no. starters yeah. no. and I think you have to bear that and That's uh, fair. given everything I said about the squad and everything Roy said about Martin Kelly they wouldn't be our first choice back four so it was still a decent performance and Guy had made a couple of good saves when he when he had to he as did. well he did but can I read some questions out to you guys yes. around transfers Matt Considine Hi, Matt. says, obviously there's talk about uh, Aaron and Wilf being poached over the summer, although it sounds like hopefully they'll both still be here from Roy. But if someone bid for Andros, would you accept it? Selzy, another goal for him at the weekend and another very good goal. No, I don't think so. I'd, you know, again, important player for us. I don't think in terms of transfers it's going to be that easy or straightforward that you can just... Or, or exciting, I don't You can I just mean, let people yeah. go. Yeah. You know, I mean, last summer there were quite a few people... Joel Ward's contract was up and they were like, yeah, well, he's done. Time for him to go and get someone else. To go and replace Joel Ward as a cover right back might cost you £12 million or so. It might be half of your transfer budget, for example. So, I mean, at the moment, out of contract is Julian uh, Papsuare and Bakary Sacco. And then you've got the two loans, AU and Batchwai. I can't see us replacing more than those, maximum. And, you know, probably I would be inclined to think that Sacco 
could be worth a contract because I don't think you're going to have enough money or the resource, you know, to the resources. I think we've got 24 players. I don't know if Aaron has to be named next year as uh, a player if he's over age next year. I don't know. If yeah, he's possibly. But what I was going to say to you is that I can't, you know, there's only so much surgery you can do at a time with the resources that are available to you. You can't just get rid of this guy and get rid of that guy because you think that there'd be someone better out there because your 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 resources in terms of the transfer market and your wage um, limits will not allow you to, to just freely go and replace players. So What's happening with Julian? Are you able to tell us? Uh I'm not able to tell you because I don't know, well, but uh, <laughs> but I've had no, I've had no conversation. <laughs> I've had no conversation with the club in that respect, and nor has he thus far. One may take place this week, but I would imagine by Steve giving him that lifetime achievement award last week, you know that he would probably indicate that. Uh, I mean, the, the conversations last summer were that this would be his last season with the club um, but again I don't know whether that's the case I mean he certainly isn't in in a frame of mind to retire at this moment in time he said to me last week you know that he feels he's training very well and he's fit and he's not struggling he's not feeling you know stiff or slow or anything after training or any of that stuff so I think he's hoping to play on next year, whether it's Crystal Palace or not. So uh, difficult to we'll see what to do. Uh, we all love Julian, but it's hard to imagine a club buying a keeper of his age, isn't well, it? Well, no, I mean he—he's going to be forty on Saturday week, uh, cup final day. And I did say to him, you know, if you're not here next year, that might not be so easy given your age. Mm. And uh, just to indicate how unfootballer-like he really is. Most players that have achieved what he's achieved in the game and been a Premier League footballer and so on would be like, well, you know, what about my standing? You know, da, da, da. his response was, don't worry if they're worried about my age. Tell them I'll go and train with them pre-season on trial and they'll see what I'm like. <laughs> you know, I, don't think yeah, you, yeah. I don't think you have many players yeah, that have that, that. That Well, you certainly don't get many players with that kind of frame of mind. Most of them are, I'm not doing that. I'm too good or too big and, and so on. But it's a problem also for Palace because uh, Lucas Perry, if they take up the option to sign him... God, I forgot about him. Yeah, will cost a few million pounds. And this guy's never played no, a yeah. first-team game anywhere. Yeah. And therefore, if something would happen next season to, to uh, Bicente Guay to a Wayne Hennessy, assuming they're still here, um, then you'd have to... Then, if it was him that they took up the option on, then you'd potentially have to go and put a guy in who's never played. Mm. Yeah. Which, it doesn't always represent a problem as Mark Travers showed for Bournemouth yeah. at the weekend, but but um, generally you'd want your third goalkeeper to have a decent amount of experience and be able to step in. So I would imagine that the problem, if you want a very good young one to develop you probably have to sign two because you want to loan one of them out yeah. for a period of time to to get some games to make him ready to come and play for you. Mm. And on the other side of it, you know, that's why the bulk of the sort of number three goalkeepers in the Premier League are usually fellas that have played at decent level that are either at the end of their careers, like Julian, or, you know, somebody who's been around a bit who you could rely on, who could do a job in a short space of time and isn't going to let you down massively. But young goalkeepers, for free, are not very easy to mm. find unless you sign a foreign, you know, out-of-contract one. So that's, uh, you know, and th this is what I'm saying to you. If you've got a limited amount of transfer funds, how much of it are you going yeah, to go yeah. and put on a third-choice goalkeeper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, don't think it's going to be high this in, is the, a, yeah, this is a very, in the list. You know, this is, but these are all issues that come up that you mm. have to solve and that's right, why well, speaking Mike, of you it, just my, can't get rid of people. Really. My answer to the Townsend question is keep him whatever, yeah. it, whatever it takes. I was really interested he was on Sky Soccer AM yesterday or goals on Sunday whatever and he was as articulate as always but yeah. honest enough to admit that his last six weeks he hasn't been playing particularly well. Not he, many uh, players again like that. Well, no, no, there aren't. Really and, and that, how he wanted to rectify it and you, you, you get the feeling that he's a player who's very happy at Palace and wants to keep improving that. Like, 
I think we need to keep him because I think you, we miss him when he's not there. I, totally I agree. agree. I yeah. totally agree. Um, just quickly then, last few on transfers. Otis the Cat. Hi, Otis. Uh, says Danny Welbeck. <laughs> nice. Danny Welbeck released by Arsenal. Worth a punt? Quickly. Mm. Well, he comes up every quarter. Mm. I wouldn't mind him. I think he'd be mm. good. He'd be he interesting. He's always injured. He, he can't well, play there is that. We've got. We've already got Connor Wickham. No, no, he's a quality. He's a quality Premier League striker, but he can't play two games running. And it's, I, I think you two. Well, one? You, well, yeah. But I, I think I, I think that's what you have to consider basically, because he would still cost. I mean, wages-wise, I should yeah, think he'd be, be on quite, it'd be quite he hefty. Would, that's so, true. You know, I mean, well, yeah. fully fit, Danny. Well, it depends on what he can get again. You yeah, know, yeah, I true. doubt probably any of the big six are going to take him. So I would imagine yeah. his wages or his wage expectations might come down. He'll, he'll end yeah. up at West Ham or Bournemouth or somewhere Bournemouth, like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Enders, this one's from Sam. He says, rumours that we could buy Jordan Ayew at the end of the season for £4 million. Do you think it'd be worth an investment at yeah, that I price? Yeah, I do. What, for £4 million? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that, no, I think he is. He's a good player. And, and, and he proved at, at the uh, weekend how he can link up with everybody else. And he's, he's become quality squad member and for four million pound yeah. I, I think I think steal. as well Roy has dropped several hints in the past couple of weeks that that would be his first yeah. bit of business he clearly yeah he clearly rates him and, and yeah there was somebody who said after the, the game on Saturday well yeah, he's only playing for a place in the squad well fair play then because yeah, yeah, no, there's it, nothing wrong with that it worked then didn't yeah. It? Yeah, and he, I, he, I, I don't yeah. think of any of our four strikers Ben Teke Wickham AU or Batshuayi are bad players. No, so no, I don't no, think, I I'm not. I wouldn't look at any of the four of them and say I'm really unhappy with yeah. those players in my squad. If they could score goals, you know, one of, even one of them on a fairly consistent basis, we would be top eight probably. And, well, I, and, I, like... and if we can, if we can't get Batshuayi, I said to Jim on Saturday night on the pod that when he asked, I said I Free would, I would be not upset if we could loan him again next season from Chelsea you know so I but I think probably you know Ben Teke or Wickham will have to go if mm. you want to bring in another you know a Danny Welbeck or somebody like that yeah, true. of course but you know the problem you know we've got with all of them is that they either haven't scored or we've yeah. had fitness issues or whatever but I'd, I wouldn't be certain if we let any of them go that they wouldn't be a success somewhere else. Mm. You know, right? Okay. Look, final final questions then for for this pod uh, from Tom Halliday. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Um, he says, "I don't." Th- that's quite a long one. I don't think the pod has, has ever mentioned the elephant in the room, which is the American owners' desire to sell. While the club is worth far less to them outside of the Premier League, well, it's not going to be outside of the Premier League. There seems to be little incentive for them to do enough. What? Does just enough look like in terms of summer activity at ins and outs? And then Julian Chenery. Hi, Julian. Hi, Julian. Says Qatar are rumoured to be in the hunt for a Premier League club. Assuming they would only invest in a London or Manchester club, would you be comfortable with them owning a majority stake? This has been a rumour that's sort of flying around for a bit, isn't it? But the the Qatar rumour has been qualified now by several respected journalists that it seems they want a championship club. Right. They want to invest in a a championship club. It's a completely different pod. We probably one of the only clubs who have owners that are clear and transparent in terms of where their money. You know, you can argue about the owners of a lot of. You know, even at Wolves, the relationship with the agent and the mm. you know, is, is a, an interesting one. So there are the American have gone quite quiet because suddenly that story flared up out of nowhere, didn't it? That they wanted to sell their share, but but they had people in mind to who they want to to sell it, and that's gone very quiet. And then of course, in the absence of information, everyone in the pubs. Start speculating about oh it's because they don't want a new stand they don't want they've only just found out about relegation and promotion which is yeah, <laughs> not, not which is nonsense rubbish, so, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's I, I, it's barely <laughs> worth in talking about because it seems to be a story that's but well, should we be I mean but, yeah, should we be worried much, about the Americans potentially wanting out no because I don't no because they'll, I'm not we'll, sure because they'll sell yeah any Premier League football club is going to attract a lot of interest from a lot of people yeah. with a lot of money and it is. Yeah. until it happens I mean and to be fair there was a time when Colonel Gaddafi's son was interested in buying Palace and can't remember quite, that quite a few people would have been quite happy about it well if it means promotion that's fine was yeah. that when Puff Daddy wanted the yeah, pass yeah, as well yeah Puff Daddy and Ian Wright we're going to buy it together so it's like I don't think there's any point talking about these things until they until it's like the new stand there's no point talking about that until they happen so yeah. I'm not I was going to say to you I'm not sure that all of those stories are 100% accurate either no. I, I'm led to believe that it might only be one of the two of them that well, wants yeah, to sell yeah. and you know these kind of right. things so I don't know how but again I've not had this 
off anybody you would categorically know. Um, but I think the club is owned. Uh, Steve, Josh Harris, David Blitzer have 18% each. And then the former owners own uh, Stephen and co. Jeremy Martin own some part. And then there is a big, uh, the biggest amount of shares are owned by very small minority shareholders. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how that structure will affect the situation going forward, whether that makes it more difficult or easier for somebody to to gain control. But what would be very important for me is that if there was a change in ownership, that Steve Parrish is still the person yeah. that's running the football club every day who knows and understands it better than anybody else. So The, the, um, the problem is as well, I mean, I still know men, older Man City fans still season ticket holders who are still uneasy about the, mm. where the money comes mm. from and that's you know but on a lower level I don't like the fact that Jeremy Hoskins is a, is massively funding Brexit projects so you kind of have to deal with what you've got basically politics you, and sport shouldn't well, be mixed should, yeah Kev. you kind of you no, none of us will ever get any sleep if we Too lie late, awake yeah. if, we yeah. lie, if, if we lie awake at night wondering about how our clubs are financed you probably wouldn't well, look, well you probably should go. do that I agree you, you wouldn't go but you know yeah and football unfortunately is yeah. that kind of business and speaking of politics and football mixing we have had a question here from Ian and it's a fair oh, question yeah. that we, we we have yet on this pod in the last few weeks to discuss uh Wayne Hennessy's defense of his charge yes. of um uh, an offensive gesture um, he says, are you going to discuss his, his defence was he had an ignorant knowledge of Nazism and yeah. World War II. Are you going to discuss this or is it too big a can of worms, says Ian. I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, it's it's not ideal. It doesn't reflect particularly well on Wayne or the club. Um, and it was almost quite a bizarre defence to use. I think... We we have skirted round it. I don't think there's any doubt. If it had happened to a player at another club, we probably would have mentioned it every week in a in a funny set. So I th- I think the reason we haven't discussed it fully is at the time when the case was still going on, we didn't discuss. We had that as an excuse. I think it's because also anybody who knows Wayne Hennessy knows that it wouldn't have been done as a malicious gesture. It, it probably would have been easier at the time if he'd said, "Look, there's not a person in this." country who doesn't work in an organisation that's got a German employee who hasn't thought it's hilarious to do something like that because it's it's an indication of our tabloid sense of humour sometimes it, it it hasn't reflected well on the club but, and I think possibly we should have we should have confronted it earlier really but I think it's it's because he simply wasn't doing a Nazi salute and if he you know not in that context his defence I, I suspect they sat in a room somewhere and came up with <laughs> And they went, well, let's try this one. Mm. Uh, if if that's the case, it doesn't reflect well on the education system in the part of the world he was brought up in. It, it people Too many people have said to me, well, it just shows you what footballers are like. And in my experience, footballers aren't like that. No. They, they know actually, more about the world. You know, footballers. Somebody once said to me about professional footballers, it's like working in a bank. If you've got 300 men between the ages of 18 and 35... Two or three of them will be saints. Two or three of them will be absolute wrong-uns, and the rest will be just be normal blokes. And that's what football's like. It's like there are the same. Yeah, you know, there are one or two people who don't read newspapers in the football world, but that's the same in any world. But so to, to say, well, he's just another thick footballer isn't isn't correct. I, the, the thing is, anybody who knows Wayne wasn't surprised that that was his his, his defence or his excuse. Yeah, to be perfectly. Or even the other night, and I'm not. You know, Roy Hodgson laughed. It's like. I couldn't not do one joke when they said don't do any jokes. So, I, so we were in, in Speronis and I said, that, you know, the rumour is in the new stand is going to be a restaurant called Hennessy's. It won't be quite as bright as this one and you've got to be very careful how you signal to the waiter. You know, but it's just, we do make jokes. They laugh. They, yeah, of course yeah, they laugh yeah. very much and so did Roy's, obviously. But <laughs> but because you, you have to laugh. I think if there was any sense, and I think this is where some people have said to us we should have dealt with it beforehand because it does look like we're being flippant about a serious subject but I think yeah. if there'd been any sense that what Rain Hennessy did was in any way connected to right-wing politics or right-wing opinions and I think we would have dealt with it yeah. and the club would have dealt with it and I, yeah, the fact is that the, the FA committee only two of them went uh, you know, it was not proven he, he, was, he didn't get off scot-free two of them accepted his story and one didn't what I think he's on a bound to do now is go through on his promise and start saying, you know, he said that we need to educate yeah. young people about what happened then. And he's he's 
he's probably after, of course as each generation goes by it, it disappears from the from I think, memory but he's absolutely right and you know what the, the whole thing well, was just a little bit embarrassing I think that's uh, yeah, there's, no, there's no I think it's a little bit embarrassing there's no two ways about that having children I know that children yes. get taught from a very young age about yes. about the, those sort of politics at that yeah. particular time and I just think the whole thing was just a little bit embarrassing and that's why we probably don't even talk about it yeah I agree. because we're a little bit yeah, we're a little bit embarrassed about the whole thing we, we, we know we know what he did was wrong, but we know it wasn't done maliciously. And to try and talk about it, bridge that weird gap, it's just like you're getting yourself up in a, in a whole mess. And it's just like, you know, hopefully he's learned from it. And if he does something positive out of it, then that's a good thing. Well, it would be nice that's to see... That's the short way of what I was yeah. trying yeah, to say. Yeah, exactly. It would be nice yeah, to see yeah. Wayne kind of own it and maybe do a visit to a Holocaust Museum or something like that or, or help lead an education uh, yeah. programme through Palace for Life. I don't know. So well, it would be nice to we, kind of, we yeah. own the situation a bit and make it a positive thing. Yeah, would be, uh, would be nice. Yeah, my, my I know that's easy to say and harder it, to do. It, it, it is, and, I, and I, I suspect that, and we wouldn't be the only club to respond like this. I suspect that they would hope it goes away and they never have to mention it again. Yeah. Would be my, but y- y- yes, of course it's embarrassing, and, it, and it's, and I think that's one of the reasons, to our discredit, we didn't talk yeah, about exactly. as much as we should have done. To be, yeah. and we we did talk about not talking about it before, during, and after pods. Yeah. We have said because we've had questions every week, and we've said, "Well, let's let's not let's not go there." And I think, yeah, James is right. It's down to embarrassment a little bit because we would have revelled in it if it had been any other player, yeah. another uh, another club. To be honest, very yeah. true. Well, let's hope there isn't somewhere some sort of positive outcome from it. Um, well, let, let's move on to part three because it's the final game of the season. Home Whoa. to Bournemouth. God, well, we come might get quickly, a point if we're lucky. Apparently. Oh, come on! Now. <laughs> uh, and we'll be talking about that Bournemouth game um, after this short break. Uh, welcome back to the 5 Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 290 sponsored by Vector Printing. For all your print and embroidery needs, visit vector.co.uk. It's Vector with Okay. And JC and Associates. Visit jcassociateslondon.com. I will. And Eternity Home Finance. For all your mortgage needs, visit eternityhomefinance.com or ring 0330 133 0709. Financial advice, I'm in. <laughs> So happy we've actually finally got a we've finally got a tagline from that's brilliant. Um, How much did you charge J- for that? Yeah, no, it, <laughs> JC's going to be upset. Though, it? We've yeah. got, JC's got he's out tagline. He's got four oh, he's got four words in that tagline. Oh dear. Right. Okay. Um, Bournemouth at the weekend. Then um, I'm in. Yeah. All right. Don't. <laughs> sorry. Come sorry. on. Don't don't ruin it. Um, the only questions we've had really ahead of the Bournemouth game are all about Julian. So I'm going to put them to Adam. They're from Ben Allen. Hi, Ben. Hi, um, Who says, do you think Warhol should give Jules a chance to probably say goodbye to Palace by playing him against Bournemouth? He says, albeit as a sub, the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, do we think that's going to happen? Knowing no. Roy or or not? I would doubt it. I've not heard anything to, to that effect. And I don't know what Julian would think about that as well, to be honest. I don't know whether he would... You know, think it was appropriate to uh, to do that or not. I've not had the conversation with him, but um, I wouldn't imagine that would happen. You know, I think regardless of of however the, the season plays out, you know, every player walks around the pitch at the end of the season yeah. and so on. Yeah, anyway, yeah. don't they? So it's not. You, make you know, if we up. lose ten nil on Sunday, they'll still walk around the pitch yeah. at the end of the game. So we won't be there, but. <laughs> You'll be in the Porsons yeah. then, Kevin. You? But you, the trouble is, <laughs> rather you, than saying goodbye to a, a legend that's given you 15 years to the club, if it is goodbye, I'll text him. You name dropping again. But, you, but you, the, 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 the trouble is with that sort of gesture, you make yourself a hostage to fortune. If if five minutes from the end of an entertaining game, one goes through his leg, so that's our last yeah. memory of yeah. Julian. Not that it would happen. No, it's, I think, it's, yeah. it's like Selzy says, he, he could ab, he could abseil down or parachute in, or Kayla could drop him off. Whatever <laughs> whatever way he gets <laughs> in the ground, he's going to get a massive response. Yeah, Kayla the eagle, not Kayla Navas. <laughs> you were talking about. That. <laughs> he's going to get a massive. He'll get a massive response. You know, and it it would be a shame if it is goodbyes. I think we all hope that that there's a scenario where he stays in some sort of capacity as a as a coach or or even as for a goalkeeper again. But it's. Yeah, when it comes to we, we sort of said goodbye as testimonial in a way because we well we we sort you know. of said goodbye at the end of the first season when after the Liverpool game yeah. I remember him walking walking around the pitch then waving yeah. and he was quite emotional I think he but thought I, possibly well, that was going to be I hope the end. when it when it comes to if the stand is ever built and there are statues then Julian's name should be high on the list I of think people. he'll be very high on the list if yeah. that. although again knowing Julian I'm not sure what he would think about no, a statue or a named stand I, I, I've said to you before um, when we've talked before. I don't think there's anybody that's been more influential on the 
and the rise of Crystal Palace than yeah. him. You know, we'd I think we'd have gone to League One without him. We won mm. promotion with him playing a huge part, mm. and then the first season in the Premier League, he was incredible. You know, he was yeah. absolutely unbelievable. His level of performance, and uh, you know, we've been able to build on. You know, the second season again was our best season ever with him playing uh, until perhaps now. You know, if we can uh, can win this last game on Sunday. I don't think there's nobody that's been there the whole of that journey. You know, we've had yeah. other yeah, big influential true. players, yeah. Delaney, Jedinak, Murray, Wilfred, of course, Yannick Bellassi and so on. But there was no one that was right on the brink at Hillsborough yeah. that then yeah. turned yeah, us yeah, into yeah. a solid Premier League outfit. He's yeah. been the one. Yeah. And therefore, I I would recognise him as the most influential player in that respect that we've ever had, you know, in mm. my time. I can't remember anybody that's that's done more for us in that sense. I know. don't think you'll have many people disagree no. with that. But also, to answer your questions, I don't care how modest it is, someone says, you fancy a statue? Go ahead, go on in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look, all right, briefly then, what, what do we expect from, from Sunday's game against Bournemouth offenders? Well, it's the final home game of the season. We've, you know, we've, we've talked in part one about the, the home form and, uh, the fans sort of not being that happy about it, and I guess the, the players as well. I just hope they go out there with the freedom uh, to win the game and just and, and give us a great end to the season. You know, they'll be they'll walk around with all the little kids running around at the end of it, and we'll you know we'll, we'll say goodbye to Julian or not, whatever. But I just I, I'd like to go out and with those four attackers out there. Let's just let's just have it. Let's let's mm. have some fun. Mm. That would be nice, wouldn't fun. it? Yeah. That would be nice sooner just to go for it last game of the season. But you know, whether that's gonna happen or not, I don't know. But in my my heart tells me just go and have some fun. My head tells me it'll be quite a, a tense game. <laughs> I hope not. I it'd hope be, we do go for be, it. It'd be nice. I, you, you'd see what is there's no reason why you shouldn't start with the same lineup. Well, there's no reason at all. Yeah, so that would be entertaining. Bournemouth do tend to concede goals and Score goals. I think arguably their goal against Southampton is it won't be goal of the season, but arguably for me it was the best team goal of the season mm. from one end to the other. But you know, as said, there aren't as many Bournemouth fans as Liverpool fans, so to vote has for goal, it, has goal of the season been not been nominated yet? No, because no. the last goal of the month for us last night, Mo Salah won it oh, ama- right, ama- so amazingly. So, okay. does he yeah, play for Liverpool? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. 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 There might be many Man United. Sneakers won't win that, which would be absolutely ridiculous. I got a feeling he will actually. I think the way Chris Kamara showed it is. Very, they showed it eight times before they introduced Andros. Really, <laughs> different angles, and then quite and, rightly. But Andros is very funny. Is Andros? That's the first time I've seen it. was like the same as the one he scored at home to Burnley. Frankly, you know, cut him from that side and. Oh, the and yeah, well, same yeah. thing. Well, yeah. and, that, and that finished second to his goal at uh, that month to uh, oh, yeah, Manchester same month. City. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chris, if he doesn't yeah. win, it'll be a disgrace. Chris Kamara or Ben, they Sky put to get, put together a package of goals from outside the box this season, and basically every single one of them, Chris Kamara, not a volley. <laughs> not a volley. Not a volley. Not so he, he basically said there can't be. There's not a better goal scored yeah, this season. Hundred percent. And, and or not, you know, solo effort basically. Right. Uh, good stuff. Well, guys, that's the end of the pod. Ooh. Oh. The end of the penultimate pod of the season. Oh, the next week could be the last pod of 2018-19. Celebration pod. Could be. Who knows? Uh, thank you very much for being here. You're welcome. Pleasure. Thank you, Jim. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, the final post-match pod via Patreon will be with you after Bournemouth on Sunday and then the last full pod of the season will be there next week thanks uh, before we go I think we should acknowledge the little bit of news you gave us a couple of days ago about the uh, amount of downloads we've had Oh, the amount of listeners reached a million. A you said. Well, we reached a million since joining you Audio for- Boom. It was which two days ago you told us that. You've forgotten got a million listeners in two days. You've forgotten <laughs> it. <in two, laughs> you've forgotten in two days that we'd had a million people. I've forgotten that I mentioned to- it too. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it's oh, testament to what you've done. It was very nice actually on Saturday. I said to Jim at Cardiff, several people come up and say yeah. how much they enjoy it and they like it and. Uh, must have a different audience with keyboards to the ones that, <laughs> that come and come and shake your hand and say hello and stuff. So, well, I tell you, yeah. I was I was on the I was on the one eight five from um, near the Imperial War Museum going to Catford last night, and the gentleman walked up and went, "It's John Endicott. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the pod, aren't you?" I went, "Yeah, you listen well, mate, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call him. Can we call him John for the rest of the season? <laughs> Uh, I can't, can't, I, I can't <laughs> imagine that the shock of seeing someone as rock and roll as you on a 185 bus was uh, probably, they probably 
didn't think you really were James Endicott. I was pissed, surely. Right, okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Well, that, that bit. <laughs> Thank you very much for all your support this season and listening, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's get this cavity filled. Uh, doctor, I think your tank is leaking laughing gas. Gas? <laughs> Did you hear you can save on gas at BJ's Wholesale Club? Wait, you can save on gas at BJ's? <laughs> yeah, members save on everyday low gas prices. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> nope, these savings are no joke. <laughs> BJ's, absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to bj's.com slash simple savings. Sports Social Podcast Network.